cake or pie? Uh, so gr- growing up, I was definitely a cake person. So, no. However, no. Uh, go for it. <laughs> I would say in the last several years, I've become much more of a pie person. All right. It's the it's the crust. Yeah. And the kind of how it's baked in a way that is, and the the mixture of the the kind of the hardness and crispiness of the crust with the the fruit, and so I'm definitely a pie person now. Welcome to Build Things Better. I'm Zach Reinhardt. And I'm Ben Peterson. And we're here with Jeff Spies. Welcome, Jeff. Good afternoon. How are you all doing? We're doing great. So, Jeff, some of our listeners may remember an event called Making Omaha that you and I both helped organize along with Jessica McKay. Uh, since then, it's turned into a biannual maker fair that we call MADE that we hold right down here in North Downtown. But uh, back in the beginning, you were really the one who spearheaded that event. What is it about the maker community that interests you, and where do you see that community going? So um, when I visit other cities, mm-hmm. there is a, like, um, it's very obvious, I guess, that the, there's, like, a community of, of people, and, and mostly makers, that are giving that city a sense of identity um, that an outsider is envious of and feels like, something really is going on there, and that I'd like to be a part of that. Um, and so, and I, I don't think, I didn't see that as strongly in Omaha. If it was there and people working on it, I just wasn't as much aware of it. Um, no, I You think- know, from like shirts and like branding to uh, designers and um, like local makers. So that was one reason. Um, and also just that through MAPA and our, like the work for Harlem 2050, there was a, a need to see, you know, how do we like for equity kind of issues, local manufacturing and like small businesses grow in a, in a way that is very accessible, um, and so that was kind of why I was interested in that kind of an event was um, just how do you begin to like let the broader community know about these people that are making things, and then how could you scale that up in the future? Um, so kind of before that event, a couple of years or a year before it, I think, um, we did something like it, very similar, having a panel discussion in a parking garage in Benson with Jake's, Jake's Cigar and Spirits owner, yeah, John Larkin, his parking garage. And that was, again, a kind of a conversation about um, makers. And, and Heath Mallow was on that panel and when he was a state senator, and he was interested in making, he's like, I'd like to see some type of made in Omaha kind of, you know, brand that could be about building our local economy. And so um, to me, like that, that making Omaha event was kind of a continuation of what Heath and others, you know, were wanting to see happen. And, um, and at the same time, like just through my involvement, I guess I got to know a lot of people that were doing some cool stuff and thought it made a lot of sense to do an event that highlighted those, those folks and, um, and just supported local business as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So then the last part was about the design, like yeah. the maker community. Yeah. Um, 
it's definitely a, a a trend, you know, now, but it's one that's really not going away and only scaling up. Mm-hmm. And so um, to me, the, the Omaha maker community versus other communities is one that um, it's, maybe I haven't seen it as much in other places, but the way the, uh, the broader Omaha business community has supported the maker community from like contracts and to uh, the way that's promoted, um, there's a real like, kind of a embracing of it that will help it grow in a way that I don't think other cities are doing. At least I'm not reading about other cities doing it that way. And so to me, it's like getting the contracts and, um, and being able to, to incrementally scale that up and grow businesses is something that it seems like the, the broader business community, the larger business community is really supporting the local maker community. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, tell us a little bit about your role at MAPA and the work you guys do there. So I think I work for the Metropolitan Area Planning Agency, which is a quasi-governmental entity uh, that uh, works on transportation planning and long-term planning for our region in the Omaha Council Bluffs area. And I've been doing that for five years. I work as a community relations manager uh, so a lot of uh, engagement with the community and uh, from more grassroots organizations and kind of residents on like the, the street level, I guess, uh, all the way to the business leaders and stakeholders and um, consultants, uh, engineering, architecture, kind of planning firms. Um, and so work on facilitating those uh, interest, different interest, and finding consensus and uh, doing it in a way that makes sure that all voices are heard and uh, we think about equitable solutions to our region's future. Great. So what is the most important thing that you think that MAPA is doing right now? So uh, for, you know, MAPA has been around for 50 years and it was uh, formed by state statute uh, in 1967. So uh, for the longest time, it was definitely a behind-the-scenes organization that would assist local communities in, in planning. And um, uh, However, the last probably five years, uh, not necessarily just because it's when I started, but um, the last five years, it's been more of a uh, kind of public-facing organization with a project called Heartland 2050, which is a long-term vision for our, our future um, that's based on more efficient uh, use of our public dollars and coordinating transportation and land use, uh, so how we kind of um, design our communities together. Uh, so it's it's this coordinating of in the environment and sustainability, um, housing, affordable housing in particular, um, and transportation investments that. Uh, make sure that it's easy for everyone to get around. We have a high quality of life and. Um, we don't necessarily have a lot of real problems necessarily in Omaha and Council Bluffs area that other cities do, like air quality or um, just being too expensive to live there, like San Francisco and long commutes. Um, but we do have a, a shifting kind of demographics in our in our future. So we need so those that are currently the kind of fastest growing populations are also those in our region that um, have the 
largest gaps as far as academic achievement and earnings. And so those are the things that we need to work on, developing solutions to solve those, those kind of problems. So Heartland 2050 is, that's a big name that, uh, talking about the entire Heartland, talking about, well, still another 30 years and you, you guys have already been going at it for quite a while. Um, is that really what you guys are, are tackling in all of those aspects? Yeah, so uh, it is a, it's a vision for the future and um, you know, that does have a, it kind of paints an issue and by 2050, you know, we maybe doesn't, not, let's see, it doesn't necessarily create a sense of urgency to work on these things sure. because we have a long time to do it, but um, it has uh, in it, it's a, a vision to guide local communities. So like Omaha, Council Bluffs, Papillion, Ralston, you know, Bellevue, um, these are cities that and towns that we want to help them like see themselves in, in this future vision. And so um, it is a, a way to bring all these communities together and find where we have shared agreement about our region's future. And that um, is really due to uh, a real in-depth kind of long-term ongoing uh, amount of engagement with the community and uh, making sure that we're kind of checking and rechecking that vision to see if it's still consistent with what people want, um, whether that's through like value surveys or town halls and forums um, to like a design charrette. Um, and so it, it is a uh, long term and um, meant to be something that we're always checking up on every few years and updating it. So actually we're doing that now. Uh, in this next year, we're gonna be updating that plan um, to kind of, because there's things have changed in our region and different priorities are there today than there were five years ago. Um, so it, it is an evolving kind of vision for the future. Sure. Yeah, it's not one that's finite. It's not a point A and a point B that we're getting to, but it's, there's several scenarios that our region could face throughout the future, and so we're trying to make uh, plans for all those different scenarios. Yeah. What would you say to someone who says, why should I care about what the city is going to look like in 30 years? This thing could change a ton between now and then. What would you say to that person? Well, um, the thing that we, you know, a lot of people know about as far as an issue in, in our region is that folks are leaving after college, you know, at a higher rate to other cities, and and some are, are moving back or and. Um, so I would say it's about making a place for our children and grandchildren, and that's why we should be investing in the vision and, and speaking into it and making sure our values are represented in that vision. Because um, these are these types of ideas are, are things that take you know many years to to work on and to assess, and because they're significant investments in our region's future, so we want to get them right. Um, so. It is, you know, like I said, a vision that then guides, so, you know, local leaders, so mayors and and developers, and uh, architects, um, and nonprofit organizations um, that are thinking about how we serve our community. So it's it's meant to be something that is that everyone can see themselves in. So how could people go about getting involved in that? We have. Um, over the years for this project, we've had a, a time in which we developed a vision and then uh, started to create an action plan to sort of get to work on implementing that vision. And so um, the last several years we have 
implementation committees, what they're called. And so it does sound kind of boring, uh, you know, to get involved in something is to join a committee. Um, but it, and, and it, honestly, we need to do a better job at, at these implementation committees because they're held you know, during the working hours. And so those that have jobs that would like to be involved in this is not a, really a good way for them to do it right now. But these, these um, implementation committees are around housing, transportation, infrastructure, natural resources, local foods, um, equity and engagement, and education and um, health as well. Um, so those are, are ways you can join these committees is one way and they meet every month or so and they work on uh, this action plan and to implement that and to sometimes it's about education and advocacy sometimes they're about um, doing research and um, you know planning for uh, communities so that's one way and then also twice a year we have a, a large conference kind of summit event where we have a national speaker come in and and it's really about kind of someone that can help paint the picture of what that vision is in, in real tangible ways uh, that have you know, had success in, in delivering on some of those ideas for how our community can be built. So I've been a part of the Housing and Development Implementation Committee and currently chair that committee. And I can say that those uh, committees are where the work on the ground happens. That's where, yeah, people are getting involved. So if you're listening to this and you're interested in how do you get involved with the long-range uh, plan for the community that you live in. Those implementation committees are a great place to start. Yeah, and we also, you know, MAPA, well, part of what we're doing is taking this vision and it and the vision itself, Heartland 2050, is shaping how MAPA does its work. And so we have our kind of day-to-day -day transportation planning efforts and community and economic development work um, that we're kind of taking those ideas and implementing them there. And so we do have, you know, on a regular basis, we have uh, planning processes that involve the, the community. And so, you know, coming to those charrettes or, uh, you know, being a part of giving us your opinion on how you, where you think transportation investment should be or shouldn't be. Um, you know, there's like a, there's this kind of balance of, we have suburban and urban and rural interest. And so, how you work on a cohesive vision and plan that communicates clearly that there are trade-offs about everything we're doing, and uh, but we simply can't afford to keep growing the way we have been growing um, long-term. So we, we do need to make some different decisions, and they're hard decisions, but um, they're about making sure that we have a sustainable growth and, um, and that we have a place that's very livable and all and affordable and we don't spend 45 minutes a day driving to and from work. So you use the term design charrette. What is that for those of us that aren't in the planning world? The design charrette was a, a way in which you could make your way throughout a, a city and uh, make sure a lot of people are involved in getting their ideas on this map of how they'd like a, a place to look and grow. Um, so that's how it had started and, and now we do those by again, kind of maps and people around tables and, um, you know, drawing up where they think uh, bike paths should go or where buses should, should be run and where businesses should be located and where housing and uh, trails and how you connect all those places. And so we take all those maps and um, at the same time, we kind of, so that's sort of the physical environment, but we also want to know in these design charrettes about 
you know, how people feel about the future. Do they feel confident or not so confident about how we're growing and what are some of the values that they have that makes this place a, a good kind of high quality place to live? And we try to balance those out between like the more social side of things and then the kind of physical built environment. So we look at all those maps and see where there's themes that are emerging and and then go back out to those communities again and say, is this, we, this what we think we heard you say? Is that right? Where do we get it wrong? Who else should be involved? Who else needs to be part of this conversation? Yeah. So a lot of drawing on maps and then, and then taking those and digitizing them in a way that um, can be visually interesting and people can understand and comprehend that weren't a part of those meetings. So can anyone attend a design charrette or do you have to be sort of design-minded? No, the best uh, attendees at these are, are kids and um, uh, really anyone, I mean, but those that can offer their lived experience is what we're looking for. So, you know, they like people that can share their story of the limitations of moving around the city, um, or tell stories of their neighborhood and how it's changed, and um, and that those issues that we need to address locally are some of the ways that really enhance that conversation. So it's not we want to make sure it's not always people from the outside coming into a community and telling them you know what it should be. It should really be designed with the community and letting the local leadership be the the those that guide us in, in that process. How did you get interested in? planning and in this case the work of MAPA yeah so when I um, when I got married I moved to Benson and at the time Benson uh, neighborhood had uh, an acoustic bar called mix and uh, a uh, antique shop called Grampy's curious goods and then uh, the pizza shop and uh, just a few things around um, but not what it's like today and so um, I remember reading in the newspaper uh, about Benson, downtown Benson, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm moving there. Uh, I should probably know a little bit more about it. And so just the fact that we could walk down to downtown Benson was uh, interesting to me. And um, at the same time, some friends of mine and I were starting up a nonprofit uh, coffee shop kind of thing, um, art gallery and venue called The Foundry. And so we were um, looking for a place to locate and um, we were in a church basement in West Omaha, and the folks we thought would probably be interested in our place and doing like kind of meeting with us and, and uh, sharing these experiences were not people that would spend time in a basement of a church in West Omaha on a Friday night. And so uh, we were right on with that kind of assessment. Um, <laughs> and so anyway, we uh, a place came open and we rented that and started it, and we're there for five years. And, and so just living there and, and, you know, meeting people from kind of all backgrounds um, and figuring out, like, having a place where they can come in and we can talk um, and meet business leaders and elected leaders um, and, you know, people that have been there for generations uh, was kind of that, like, that integration of all those different ideas and, and interests is what was really fascinating to me. And that the neighborhood itself gave the context for the conversations. Um, in most of my life, and, and I think a lot of our lives, we decide like who we get to interact with, and um, by our interests, and you know what websites we read, and podcasts we listen to, and whatever that kind of share our worldview. 
But when you work in neighborhoods, you don't really get to choose who has a seat at the table. Um, you have to work with everybody because they live there. And um, so there, there are difficult people to work with and, and those that come in and maybe want to make a name for themselves and kind of everything in between. And you have to sort that out and um, deal with different personalities that you're not used to dealing with. Um, and so that was really interesting to me. And that's what got me interested in working in neighborhoods. Very cool. Yeah, the foundry was, was awesome. I had a lot of, I've got a lot of great memories from the foundry. There was always a lot of fun shows. Um, very different from most coffee shops in town. Yeah, and it's really strange now. Um, we had an art show, well, several art shows with an artist uh, back then um, named Maggie Weber. And I think she was like in high school. And then now, you know, she's doing murals in Benson and was working at the um, Benson Theater and uh, very involved in the community as an adult. And, yeah, I feel very old, like, you know, seeing, knowing her when she's in high school. But it's very cool to see that thread kind of run through community engagement in, in Omaha. That's awesome. So you're a sharp guy. Like you're, you've clearly got a lot of experience. You could be working anywhere. Why are you staying in Omaha and committing to the city? I think uh, why I'd stay in Omaha is um, a, a lot of reasons, uh, some that are just economical. I mean, it's, it's affordable to live here, uh, easy to move around, uh, you know, the, the city. Um, but also the like the social network and like friends that I have, um, you know, a lot of my like throughout my time here, being involved in in many different kind of projects and, and communities, you sort of build up that like there's like this integration of all those people that you know and trust and, and uh, relationships, and that's like the currency in a way like that I have like the thing I can offer is like knowing and connecting people, um, and so to move somewhere else would be like it'd be really tough to build that up again, and that sort of social capital takes you know many years to to create and and then recognizing kind of how interwoven most of Omaha is and these uh, people and relationships. So um, that's another reason, and also I think it obviously has a lot of potential. It's the right size for uh, a place that you can really get things done, and people are kind of very naturally wanting to work together. Um, and we're very pragmatic, and that sometimes has you know, held us back, and uh, we're kind of gun-shy to make some decisions. We don't necessarily always want to be the first to do something. We want to make sure it works other places, and then, then we'll do it. Uh, so that's frustrating uh, sometimes, but also um, you know, it just kind of makes good like, bus business sense, and that's how we do it in Omaha and the Midwest. So um, I would choose to stay here for you know, all those different reasons, but primarily because um, at my belief in the future of it and that the, we have really strong neighborhoods and uh, great people that are working in those neighborhoods. And so it's, again, like a place that if my kids wanted to leave you know, and for college, that'd be fine, like, but I'd hope they'd want to come back. What would you say to somebody who says, I have no idea where to start. I, I care about my city. Um, I want to see Omaha be the best that it can be, but I have no idea how to get involved. Where would you tell somebody like that to start? So the, um, to me, the, like the planning and urban planning world um, is 
is really changing its approach from real top-down, you know, like experts will make a plan and give it to a community, um, to one that's starting with talking to people. And, and so um, one way to get involved is to pay attention when those kind of planning processes are going on and show up and get to know the people that are kind of running those because they're interested in your story and, and there's volunteer opportunities that can then kind of lead if that's a career path you want to go down. Um, and then um, another way is getting involved in the like young professionals networks. There's several of them in Omaha that put on interesting events. Um, but very practically, especially if you want to like have your ideas being heard from a, a wide variety of, of uh, folks in Omaha, is just getting involved in your neighborhood association. Uh, there's a real lack of young leaders in in our associations, and um, so there's there's kind of I think going to be this sort of Omaha-wide like passing of the torch to young leaders, and it's a place that it's not healthy. But if you go to one meeting, there are some that will just like ask you to be on the board, and you know they should probably like get to know you a little more and see if you can actually like hold it together. But um, but it's a place that you can get involved with and and um, help make your own like your neighborhood and your block better um, and you have regular uh, conversations and interactions with local you know your city council member or the mayor um, and uh, state senators and so it's a way to like if you're interested in policy and seeing change like that's, that's a way to do it um, and then also like if you have an interest in like the how people pedestrians, like how you can walk around in places like easier to, to move around a city. Uh, neighborhood associations are a place that you can see like the, the public realm, uh, you know, be changed as well from like things that seem mundane, like sidewalk conditions, you know, um, you can make changes there to like issues on affordable housing or seeing small businesses located in your, in your community. Um, so that's one thing like I think you can really do is advocate for those through a neighborhood association um, because we we have we have good neighborhoods in Omaha but they they work really well when there's a, a great kind of small business community like close by like a Benson um, but small businesses it's a really tough like risk to take in investing in brick and mortar and um, locating themselves in a neighborhood and so if you can be someone that wants to see that, then you need to be a, a cheerleader and, and giving some confidence to those you know small businesses uh, like design firms or other makers to want to open up a, a real shop in uh, in that neighborhood. And one place that that's happening is my own neighborhood right now. Um, I live in the Little Italy or Little Bohemia area, and so PJ Morgan Real Estate, uh, Colleen Mason and Ryan Ellis are a couple that are. Uh, working in that neighborhood, and and it's really been this sort of this long-term, you know, several-year process of the neighborhoods, like neighbors, just really supporting those local small businesses and giving them the confidence that if you do locate here and, and put investment here, that will support you. And so that's like that's primarily through the neighborhood association is the main point where you can make those connections. Is there anything else that you'd like people to know about what you do or or what you think is important for our city? Uh, so. I think it's important to know that uh, you should really have a real sober assessment of um, how long it takes to, 
and see things happen and be like understand there are small wins and and big wins and you can if you you know we can't like make these major changes overnight and so just recognizing that there's a shift that's happening in our city and this is a good time to get involved if you want to see some of those big changes um but also to be like content and and faithful to the process and so when something you want doesn't go your way in a year you know don't quit and um they committed to it because that resiliency is what uh, our organizations and, and city needs is your kind of uh, ability to keep coming back to it. And if you've got an idea that's good, uh, it's going to grow and more people will you know, want to be a part of implementing your ideas and see themselves in it. And so that's true for uh, an organization or a, a business or a neighborhood. And... Um, if that's something you're committed to, then Omaha is a good place for you to stick around and be a part of that change. Very good. Well, if people want to get involved with Heartland 2050, can they reach out to you? Yeah, so definitely. Um, we have Heartland 2050 as a Facebook page and, and Twitter account, just at Heartland 2050 on both of those. And we have a website, heartland2050.org. Um, and then you can just show up to our office at 23rd and coming and ask for me and I'll, I'll talk to you and get you involved. Great, Jeff. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. You've been listening to Build Things Better with your hosts, Ben Peterson and Zach Reinhardt. If you liked this episode and want to hear more of our episodes, please subscribe and you'll be notified when each new episode drops. To see photos of the products mentioned in today's episode, head over to benchomaha.com slash podcast or find us on Instagram at buildthingsbetter. Our intro music was written and performed by Leslie Wells for Flyover Country. Thanks for listening.